Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. If you've been in church, you're very familiar with this. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it, and then we'll be done. Here's what it says, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And an awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, if I read that to you and said, this is what the church looks like, we would then say, no, it's not. This this doesn't fit. And and, and here's what I'm going to say. We live in a completely different culture. Their culture during the early church um, was communal-centric, tribal mindset. Their doing life together or togetherness was just what they did. It was normal for them. So for them to apply what's going on here into their already culture made sense. For us, we, we, we live in very different times. If they were outcasted from their community, it would be equal to a death sentence. For us, we actually try to pull ourselves away from community and live individually. We think in some way, somehow, that courage is found in your individual voice, strength, and ability. But the reality is community is where strength is found. Community is where we were designed to exist, but our culture is a highly individualistic, personal-centric culture. And not only that, I don't know if you've realized this, but it's also incredibly fast-paced and highly charged with comparison and climbing a ladder. That's what runs who we are. Just look at social media. So to lay this as a blueprint on top of us to say, where are we missing? How can we apply this? Won't work. And it causes friction. And you can go to any Christian uh, bookstore and find books that try to kind of make this fit. You can read Letters to the Church by Francis Chan, who in some ways I believe some of his um, uh, characteristics of the church and issues with the church, Like I I believe that's going wrong. I don't know if what he applied there is going to fix it. Because we live in a different culture than this. However... I believe that there are some extraordinary principles that are in this text that we as a church should have. Like it's, it's vital to who we are and it's vital to Christian discipleship. 
So even though we can't like, let's go back to this, we'll all just like sell our homes, go out to, you know, south a little bit, buy some land, live all together. That would be called a cult, like quickly, right? Like that's what ends up happening. When you try to do this as a stage, you're like, no, you're a cult, not a church. I'm like, well, we should look different, not that different, all right? And so, so we're not going to do that, but we are going to see, are there some things in this text that we need to make sure that we have? I think there are. Um, and so... I have, uh, I have a few of them. I have five. We'll go through and then we'll be done for, for pie. Now, here's what happens. Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and visited his disciples post-resurrection. And then ascended to the right hand of the Father. What did the disciples learn or glean from their experience with Jesus? Like, what did their hearts capture or what caused them to say, now that he's no longer physically with us, here's what we need to do to fulfill the mission he set before us. Like what was their mission? The message of Christ cut through the hearts of those who heard it from Peter in chapter two. Peter presents the gospel message and similar to what we ended with last week when it says, and they were cut to the heart, we could also say, and their hearts began to burn with the words of Christ. And when that happened, they said, what do we do now? And this created the uh, church Movement. It was in this moment in Acts chapter 2, after the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, preached this beautiful um, message, were together in one accord, did God then say, here's what the church, or here's where the church will start. And that's what we have. The unfolding of the church. Here's the first thing that we need to see. The first principle. They were devoted I don't know if you saw it, it started out this way. And they were devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayers. So they were devoted in a few areas. The first one is this, to the apostles' teaching. Let us not overlook the main mission of Christ during his three years of ministry. It was teaching. We already saw this, but we know um, for three different reasons why this is the case. Jesus told Pilate in John 18 that I came so that people would know the truth. The purpose laid out before Christ during his three years of ministry was to teach and preach. And in teaching and preaching, he captivated humanity. I say this over and over again. The, the uh, houses were full. The, the beaches were full. Listening to the words of Jesus, his priority was to teach the people. And he does this. And after his ministry, his spirit filled within the uh, apostles, and then they began to teach and preach the same message that Jesus was preaching. We also know that teaching had to have been Jesus' primary purpose because the Bible tells you and I that hear, or, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so what the disciples decided to do here is like, listen, here's what we know. We know that what is important and what captured our hearts is the messages, the words of Jesus. So now let us start to give those words to other people. And so they started to impart those words to other people and they were enthralled with them devoted to the very words of Christ. And here's my contention. We live in a culture that's so far removed from being devoted 
to the words of Christ. So far removed. We are but a reed shaken in the wind, a cast to and fro. We don't have a certainty, a devotion to the very words of Christ. Scripture before us. Let me tell you this. If, if, we, if we want to be a church that helps people move from darkness to light to addiction to freedom to all of these things, we have to first be a people devoted to his words. Have to be. It's priority. And, and we've moved. We've moved from these words to whatever we feel, the emotions that we have, to words that we read or videos that we watch on YouTube and social media. Like, we've allowed people to move us away from a devotion to God's words. And here's how we know this. In our culture specifically. When I, what, I won't give the area. I lived in a particular area for a while. And I couldn't get men to read. I don't do that. What? What do you mean you don't do that? No, I, I don't. And then I would ask them like all kinds of other questions about like sports, and they would give me all kinds of trivia answers. So I'm like, just, your mind is in, incredibly sharp when it comes to sports, but you won't read? No, I don't read. We've become so stimulated as a culture that we have stopped actually devoting ourselves to the, these words. People don't read. And if people don't read, it makes sense. Then when videos come up on your feed and social media and this guy says this thing, you're like, oh, that makes sense. And then like three years later, a guy says something opposing that. Like, I kind of believe that one now. And then because we're not anchored and devoted into God's word, we're cast to and fro. You want to know why lives start to struggle, marriages start to fail, things start to happen. is because we've moved from being a people devoted to God's word to being involved and enthralled with our own emotions and the things that tickle our ears. So I think what we need to do, what we need to apply is we need to be a devoted people, first and foremost, to Scripture. Second, did you see it? They're devoted to fellowship. Fellowship, the gathering of believers. They were devoted to investing and engaging in the hearts of one another. Um, it is vital to our individual growth and discipleship to be devoted to one another to make priority the engaging and investing in the lives of those who are like-minded. Listen, this, this is not going to be easy stuff because every one of us are going to be confronted in one of these areas. But most of us in this room will say that we have a group of friends that we engage with and invest in. Most of us. It is imperative that the friend group that you are in, that you have, the intimate community that you are part of, are of one mind and of one heart, encouraging your heart towards Jesus. If your most connected, intimate friend group is outside of that, then it's not community. It's social. This is, this is hard. But you know what I need in my life? Men who are going to push my heart towards Jesus because my heart naturally goes the other way. I hang out with a group of guys that we're like 
acting like junior highs, man, I can downshift into junior high mentality real quick, right? We, we, we can go there quickly. I'm like, oh, man, how did we get here, all right? It's your fault, right? Now, we can have that moment. What I need, my, I know this from my own discipleship, my own growth, is I need people around me who value Jesus like I value Jesus. And then that's what, that's what we need. Like, that's what they were doing. They understood, okay, we were just moved from darkness to light, from all of this to now all of this. And what, I, oh, what we need is one another to help wrestle through this, to help work through this, because all of us in this room, all of us, still have the residual, the residual effect of our fallen state within us. Anyone here still struggle? Two of you? Liars. Like all of you in this room struggle with lying right now. Like that's it. Like we all, we all still have these issues. We need one another to help us through this. So they were devoted to God's words. They were devoted to um, fellowship. And this one, they were devoted to breaking bread. This was a euphemism back then as uh, doing a meal together, um, but it was all-inclusive. It was all-inclusive, and they got together to eat together. They valued this, but not only did they get together to eat together, they uh, partook of the Lord's table together, the communion. They celebrated when they came together um, this uh, beautiful picture of Christ being slain on the cross for their sins so that they can have righteousness and victory. And they thought that was such a powerful thing that when they got together, they would take the bread and they would take the wine and they would remember and reflect on what Christ has done for them so they can be together as one and be back with God in his family. And so they celebrated this. This is lost, especially in Protestant circles, it's celebration. Like when we come together, we reflect and remember the victory that we have, and we didn't do anything to get it. Which is, that's a reason to celebrate. And they devoted themselves to this. And lastly, the thing that they devoted themselves to, and this is just lastly of the first point, just so you know, some of you got excited, you whiffed. Anyways, the others will go quickly. Um, to the prayer, or they were devoted to prayer, they were a people who longed to commune with God. Devoted themselves to the teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Listen, I challenge you, if you read through the book of Acts, here's what you'll see. You'll see a people dependent on prayer. They get in a difficult situation, guess what they do? They pray. Before they do anything else, they pray. And it's interesting what happens when a group of people are dependent on prayer. It seems like God comes through. And I think what's happened is that we don't have a devotion towards prayer. It's just an addition. It's something we're supposed to do. It's something we're supposed to say. This is what Christians look like and what they should do. But what happens is we've moved from a devotion to this is just normal. Prayer's not normal. Prayer's not normal. It is the moment where Christ himself intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit speaks for us and God himself listens. Did you know that prayer is one of the moments where the triune God is involved at all times? That's a powerful thing. We shouldn't treat it as normal. We should be devoted, devoted to it. I want you to see this. Look at verse, uh, what is it, 43? This is beautiful. And an awe, awe came upon every soul. 
and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. We try to teach this thing backwards. Many wonders and signs were being done, therefore there was an awe. But that's not what this says. The people were in awe of who God was, and because of their seeking his face, they got to experience his hand. They weren't seeking his hand to experience his face. They were in awe of what God has already done through the perfect work of Jesus Christ. And in their seeking him, in their reverence, in their love for God and seeking his face, they got to experience some of the most beautiful things they could ever witness. They got to see his hand at work. And what happens is we turn it around. We so badly want God to do miracles that we forget about seeking his face. We just seek his hand. And I think what God wants is us to be deeply in love with him. So then we see when he's at work. And so this is what they would do. They were in awe of him. Their disposition was, we just want you. We've lost this reverence and this awe when it comes to our pursuit towards God. For most, he's become a genie in a bottle. And for some, he's just this angry being that you're just trying to keep happy with doing the right thing. Which I want to say that he is the most beautiful, amazing father who knows exactly what to do, what to say at the right time, and he will treat your heart better than you've ever had it treated. So we have the opportunity as children to be in awe of our Father. This is something that we should have. That should be a mark within us. Like they should, people looking in, they have an awe, an awe for, for God. That was point two. Point three is this. Verse 44, they, they believed. All who believed were together and had all things in common. I know it seems weird to say they believed, um, but unfortunately in the church circles anymore, um, this one actually can be questioned. That there are people that within the church community come together and don't believe. They don't believe. They They just come. For whatever reason they come, they just come. And what's interesting here is that a benchmark for this church community is that they all believed, meaning they were all in one mind, one heart, one faith, and they believed in this, this alone, the finished and final work of Jesus Christ. They said, man, I I couldn't do it on my own. I tried. I failed. Well, don't worry. Come here. Jesus did it for you. Their belief was centered on the gospel. And we've moved our belief from being centered on the gospel to, well, you can believe this and you can believe that and we'll all make our way to the same spot. It's not how this works. Our faith is centered on Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is faithful, we're not. He's righteous, we're not. He's obedient, we're not. And when you come to the realization of that, now you bow your knee and you accept his righteousness, his obedience, and his faith, and it sets your heart on fire. And then it changes your life. I think one of the issues is that we've focused on Works, meaning do all the right things instead of belief. I believe if we believe together in Jesus, 
our lives will begin to change from one degree of glory to the next. That's what I believe. We've got to get our eyes fixed back on Jesus, not on ourselves. They believed. They were devoted. They were in awe. They believed. Here's the next one. Verse 45, they were benevolent. I don't know if you saw this. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing those proceeds to all as any had need. They cared for their own. Their unity was unwavering. And in that, they trusted the, uh, the resurrection of Christ and it caused within them an outpouring of benevolence. It's almost like these two things are inextricably connected. That the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you start to see the needs of people and you respond. Like, like listen, this is new stuff. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have words. This just began. This is the beginning of the church here in this moment. And their response was, thank you, God, for giving me all that I need and your son, Jesus. What can I do? And then they started seeing other people within their community in need. And they said, here, I got, I got two donkeys. I only, I only need one. So I'll sell that one. And you, Do you need a donkey? Here it is. Listen, it got so incredible that if you go to uh, chapter 4 of Acts, you will see they were selling land and houses to make sure that no one had too much and no one had too little. Now, I know that sounds a bit like communism. Right? And like, that, I don't know. We, but listen, here's what happens. When God grips the heart of humanity, humanity cares for the hearts of one another. This happens all the time. And if you don't have a heartbeat to see people taken care of and, and help people who are in need, then I would question, are you seeking the face of God? Because the benchmark of a church community is a church that's benevolent. We don't stand up here and say, please give, please give, because we want majestic things. We say, please give, please give, please be generous. Because it's a response of a heart that's in love with Jesus to help a community that's broken and dark. And we want to be able to do that. Listen, if you've known me or my leadership at all, my heart beats for a church that's benevolent. Issues arise, people fall in hard times. If the church isn't there to help, who will? The government? How's that worked out for us? I shouldn't have said that. Like we've just trained people to go to every other place for help instead of the church. It's about time people turn to us for hope and help. They were benevolent. I got two more. We're done. Ready? This one, verse 46, it says they were committed is what it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Day, do you see it? Day by day. Day by day. They hung out every day. Y'all seem less than excited. You're like, I just wanted to see you once a week. That's enough for me. Day by day. 
This is where it gets difficult because the first saved Jeremy, who is very like, like just passion, passionate. And when I mean passion, I mean, I would burn you with my passion. I would be like, we need to go back to this. If we're not meeting together every day, things aren't going to work out. The problem is our culture is not set up this way. But there's a principle within this that you and I need to apply because we can't just say, oh, our culture doesn't bend this way, so we don't do it. No, what this means is that if we can't meet together day by day, then there shouldn't be a day that goes by without you investing and engaging in your family. Even though we don't meet together, a text, a phone call, a reach out, a trying to get to know someone new, inviting them over to your house for dinner once in a while, what should happen is if we believe in what we believe here, then when we leave here, we shouldn't quickly forget about each other. We should be engaging and investing in each other's lives. As simple as it is, it's what it takes. So yeah, we can't... <laughs> I mean, we can start eating together every day. I do like food. Or, or let's do this. Let's just start to care about each other each day. Did you know that people within churches still feel lonely? Did you know from Sunday to Sunday, people within your own faith community walked through a difficult thing and feel alone? Like from Sunday to Sunday, that week that people lose their jobs, that people are hurting, that people get that phone call that their life has an expiration date and no one's ready for that. Like this is what happens during the week. So let us not fail as a faith community of not investing and engaging daily in the lives of those who are here. Here's my last one. Last one. They were favored. I know this is a weird one. They were devoted. They were in awe. They believed. They were benevolent. They were committed. And they were favored. Look at this last verse, verse 47. Praising God and having favor, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I specifically put myself in scenarios and situations and in places where I'm surrounded with people who don't know Jesus to find out what keeps them from attending church and knowing Jesus. And here's my conclusion, that most of the community out there doesn't look favorably towards the church community. Most are favorable towards Jesus, but not as people. I know some of you have had this similar conversations where people have been hurt, mistreated, frustrated by those who attend church. And what ends up happening is the community looks at the church and says they're judgmental, they're hypocritical, and they are selfish. So people have a hard time with church, although they'll receive conversations about God or Jesus freely. So why is that? Why is it that from the onset, the inception of the church, we see that they were highly favored, like they were so favored that people were investigating, leaning in towards what it is they were doing, and they themselves in their investigation were being rescued. You see that? All people 
They, they were in favor with all people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what's happened? What's happened with the church community where we've moved away from this? Here's what I think. What I think is this. I don't know if you saw the process, but this is what it says, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. I think what we ended up doing is that we started to focus on us as a church saving people and we've stopped authentically praising God. I think we've turned our eyes towards the works and not the one. That our affection has moved away from authentically celebrating, praising, magnifying, adoring God and what he has done through the final work of Jesus Christ. We've moved from that to, all right, you need to look like this. You need to talk like this. We need a discipleship program here. We need to make sure this happens over here. We've moved to try to save people instead of being saved people praising. And because of that, we've become judgmental and hypocritical. Listen, the moment you and I try to do the work of the Holy Spirit, we have misstepped. Anyone try that? What needs to happen is that we need to praise again. Maybe it's like the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus is the only church that we actually get to see its birth, its life, its leadership, and its death. You see its birth in Acts. You see its life in the letter to the Ephesians. You see its leadership through John and Timothy. You see all that plan. And then you see its death in Revelation chapter 2. And did you know what created this death? I know your works and what you have done has been amazing, says Jesus. Your ability to call out false teachers and false prophets, your ability, man, you are pumping out ministry after ministry that's infecting the lives of other people. This is amazing, but I have this against you. You've moved away from your first love. And this happens all the time. The church does something magnificent by keeping their eyes on Jesus and then because what's going on within them is so beautiful, amazing, they turn their eyes from Jesus onto what they're doing and they just try to focus on that. And they don't even realize when Jesus leaves. Did you know you could be growing as a church, have ministry upon ministry, thinking you're doing the work, but all along, the Holy Spirit left a long time ago, but you've been so fixated and focused on the work that you've missed the face. And I think the benchmark of a community, a church that is flourishing is one that creates and teaches we should be worshiping. And then he will add to them day by day those who are being saved. Man, can you imagine if we did more worshiping than we did rants on Facebook about how people should live differently? What would happen? Can you imagine if we just started worshiping the Lord truly, authentically, what would happen in our own hearts, in our own lives, and how that would bleed out into those who are within our sphere of influence? So, like I said, we're going to end this differently. Um, my first question as us as a church is, man, are we, um, 
Are we representing these principles? Like if someone would share the characteristics of this, like, are we devoted? Are we in awe? Are we believing? Are we committed? Are we benevolent? Are we favored? I think it's a good question to ask because I don't want to be a church that moves away from the first love. I refuse to be a church that gets so busy we forget to sit at the feet of Jesus. I don't want to be a church that gets so self-consumed that we forget to worship. I don't want to be a church that gets so self-focused that we forgot to reach out to one another. I don't want to be a church that does all the right things and we find out it was for all the wrong reasons. I want to be a church that allows the final and finished work of Jesus Christ to wreck our hearts afresh, make them burn so that as we raise our kids, they will fall in love with the one we are in love with. So when we watch kids grow up in this place, the next 10, 15 years, we will see them go out uh, in love with the Lord within this church, within these walls. Marriages will be restored. Addictions will be people will be set free from. All because we decided let's authentically love and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm asking you to stand with me as the lights go out. Normally, normally at this time, I, I ask those who are struggling um, to come forward. If you want to pray, we'll have people up here to pray. But before, before I do that, that is always, that is always welcome. And if you, if your life is falling apart right now and you need people to pray with you, there'll be people up here. Um, but w- what I also want during this time, as, as we complete this table series, if you believe in what we believe in, then I'm, I'm going to ask for those of you who feel moved to to come down here and either bow your knee or stand and pray for us as a church that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Like this, this has less to do with me and any leadership here and more to do with the heartbeat of this congregation. And so if we're not willing to pray together for the health of this church, then we will easily be sidetracked. And so during this worship song, if you want to pray with someone because you are struggling or if you want to come here and just pray that we'd be a church that keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do that. So I'm going to pray. Sierra will start singing. And we'll just spend some time singing and praying together here today. Father, we love you. Thank you for who you are. This is for you and about you. We want so badly to be a church that focuses on you. And Father, in our focusing on you right now and on you aligning our hearts with you, I pray that you do a mighty work in the lives of those in this room. That in a supernatural, beautiful way that you remind us that you are still there and that you are still aware. Thank you for loving us well. 
And Father, we're just your church here, bowing our knees to pray with you, to talk to you, to hear from you, to pray for one another, that we stay focused on you. Father, we love you. Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening.